The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. Once again, the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. Let's all rise for the reading of God's word. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, I have, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples and sat before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. This is the word of God. pleasure to be here today and I hope that especially all the mothers will enjoy my talk. First, we should all appreciate mothers and that God gave them to us. And only 20% of the world's countries get to celebrate Mother's Day. So it's very important that we appreciate our mothers because they do everything possible to help us, especially children like me. We should all appreciate our mothers because they love us and care for us all the time. For example, every time I was born nine years ago, she would, my mom would always entertain me by tossing little box for babies at me. Every time we were, every time we are hurt, our mother always takes care of us. But as you get older, you tend to go your own way. So it's very important that we keep our appreciation for our mothers. Lately, the bond of my mother and I has been getting greater. So so that is why we should appreciate our mothers. Hope you like it. I love you, Mom.
Thank you, Connor. If you didn't know, that was Connor, Connor Smith. And I asked him right before he went up, I said, Connor, are you nervous? And he said, no. <laughs> he got this. And he did. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Let me get situated real quick. Um, Mother's Day has been a long tradition, and it's really interesting because um, traditions are, it makes me very uh, curious, and I always want to know where it came from and why we have them. Church traditions especially, and we have a lot of traditions in our church. Growing up, I had a lot of traditions too, and especially on Mother's Day, we always pin carnations to moms, and I always wondered why. And, well, church traditions are important. I, I, I find finding the actual story or the reason behind the tradition can really be enlightening sometimes. Um, our mission pastor, he went to uh, South America once, and in this one church, um, every time they had communion, they would tie up the cat. Yeah, you heard me right. Every time they had communion, they would tie up the cat. And he was just really curious. And he asked, why do you tie up the cat? And then they answered, we don't know. We just, we've been doing this all this time. So every time we have communion, we tie up the cat. And then so he decided to dig a little deeper. I mean, he's still with us, this Pastor Christian, so you can ask him yourself. But he decided to dig a little deeper. And he found out that when they first started the church, there was so much dust, Right? And so whenever they had communion, there would be food, you know, there would be bread and wine. So they didn't want the cat, they had cats back then, they didn't want the cats to run around and um, stir up dust. So they would always tie up the cat. But even now that they have a building, they just had this tradition for so many years. So even though there's no dust, they'll just find the cat and they'll tie up the cat during communion. Every Mother's Day, we have a similar tradition. We have carnations and we pin them on um, moms, I suppose, and, you know, it's like, why, do you, do you guys know why? No. So here's education on Mother's Day 101 from Pastor Eugene. And there's a woman named Anna Jarvis, and um, she first suggested this national observance of Mother's Day because she loved her mother so much. And she loved her mother so dearly that during her uh, memorial mother, her mother's memorial service, she would give out carnations to every single person that attended. And because carnations were her mother's favorite flower. And on May 9th, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson, he made it na a national holiday, the second Sunday of every May. And today also happens to be May 9th. As Mother's Day, he established it, and he wrote, a as a public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. So when we have carnations now, it's because we pin red carnations for the mothers that are living, and if your mother has passed, we pin a white carnation. And it's interesting how this tradition has morphed now, especially in the Korean church. I grew up in the Korean church. My dad was a pastor we would always pin a carnation um, to the mothers, right? A red carnation. And then there, it would always be kind of awkward at one point because there would be a woman 
who's older, like in her 40s and 50s, and who didn't have a child. So be like, oh, you're, you're a mother anyway, and we just pin it. But you see, that, that's, a, that's a morphed tradition. The original tradition was that if you have a mother that's alive, you get a red carnation. And if you have a mother that's passed, you get a white carnation. So that's the tradition. The class is over. Um, it's interesting that we have these traditions um, because I think it kind of reflects our culture's personality, doesn't it? And so now if you are a mother, you get the carnation. It's, it's really about me, isn't it? But I want to just remind us where this original tradition came from. It's about your mother, not about you, right? So if you are a mother, that's awesome. I hope that someone else celebrates you, like Connor would celebrate his mother, right? But it's about your mother. And I hope that you can honor her today, especially in all that you do. Mothers are a very integral part of our upbringing, but our lives in general, especially if you have an Asian mother, which many of us, I think, do. Um, Stephen Chu, he was a Nobel Prize winner in physics. He called up his mom. This is a true story. He called up his mom and said, Mom, I got the Nobel Prize. And she said, that's nice. When's the next time you're going to visit Lillian Carter, she wrote, Sometimes when I look at my children, I say to myself, Lillian, you should have remained a virgin. Lillian Carter was the mother of Jimmy Carter, our ex-president. So we have a lot of interesting characters, and especially because I believe we have such interesting mothers, we are the way we are. I put my mother at her wit's end many times. Um, My father was the disciplinarian of the house. And if you don't know, I grew up in a very traditional house. So by discipline, I mean like, you know, there was a stick. And whenever I saw the stick, I'd be deathly afraid of what was going to happen next. And my dad was in the army. I think he was in um, like covert ops or something because he would always play these psychological like games on me. So whenever I would come home, the stick would be on the second shelf in full view of anywhere you walk in the house, right? And it's always at my eye level. So I know if I'm about to do something wrong, the stick is always in my peripheral. But I, my mom would be the person that would stop my dad, right? You can ask my sister, I suppose, but my dad would, you know, he would need to discipline me because I did something bad, and I do a lot of I did a lot of things bad when I was growing up. Believe it or not, right? <laughs> and my mom would be the one who would stop my dad. It's like, no, don't hit my son, that kind of thing. Um, I think I would put even my mom at her wit's end. So in the end, she'd be like, please hit your son. <laughs> uh, and one time, my dad wasn't home, and I would do something terrible. I'd always do something bad growing up. And my dad wasn't there to discipline me, and so she needed to do it. She was so upset. She, she took the vacuum cleaner, took out the hose of the vacuum cleaner, and she started spanking me. And I, 
I, uh, this is a true story, I chuckled, I laughed because it didn't hurt at all compared to my dad. How angry must she have been? And I'm like, so sorry, mom, I put you through so much. I grew up and I know that, you know, now disciplining and spanking is such a hot topic and people are like, oh, never touch my kid. I'm like, are you serious? Never. Why do you say never? Why do people always say never? You know, what if your kid took a gun and said, I'm going to shoot this guy unless you hit me. I'd hit the kid. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Why would you say never? And you're like, I can't now. Might as well shoot him because I said never. So don't, I don't know. But I would grow up because I do need that discipline. I, I, I believe I did. I think it made me someone better. Um, I don't think I was violent because I was disciplined. I think I was violent way before. <laughs> so even when I was, in, I was I, my dad would tell me um, when he was driving. This is, I wasn't even one, uh, a one-year-old baby. Um, he was driving and he had to brake suddenly. And then I, he told me I pushed myself off my mom. I climbed to my dad's lap. And I socked him right in the chin. <laughs> he's, he's like, how did he know it was my fault? He's a brilliant kid. <laughs> But um, uh, those are the di- no, um, and I remember even going to uh, if you grew up in Queens or if you didn't grow up in Paramus, we had things called like bodegas, uh, little stores. If you don't know what a bodega, it's it's like Shoprite or a grocery store without the groceries. There, okay, and I'm sure I explained it for you, but. I'll go to a bodega during the church service. So while we're having the service, people would be like, where is Eugene? He's gone. <laughs> but I would be at the bodega playing video games. And then while I was playing video games, I, I would remember uh, a sharp pain in my ear. Like so, it hurt so bad. I was like, why does my ear hurt so much while I'm having so much fun? And it was my uncle. He found me. He grabbed my ear. And he dragged me while holding my ear all the way from the bodega to the church. I remember that. So I, I think I needed a little bit of discipline. But, um, yeah, my mom, I would really put her at her wit's end. So I would say, thank you, mom, for putting up with me. You deserve more than a carnation. But I hope you get one today. I mean, she's not here. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that kind of motherly love. That motherly love that we all uh, hopefully get, if not, it's shown here, especially in the Bible. Jesus shows us that. Jesus shows us he has a mother-like love. This is one of those events that's so special because everybody knows about it, but everybody knows about it because it's recorded all four times in all the four Gospels. In fact... That's amazing because there is no miracle, no miracle barring the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels except this one. So you have to think, it's recorded in all four Gospels. This has got to be some, at least somewhat important. And number one, I just want to, my first point is food is love. Food is love. If you're Asian, you kind of get this. Even if you're not Asian, I just want to, you know, say, maybe you do get this. I want to also 
top this off first by saying God, God's love is comprehensive. It's complete. I just said his love is like a mother's love, but it has elements of a father's love. It has elements, many, many elements of a mother's love. And we have to understand this, right? In Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother, mother comforts her son, I, so I will comfort you. When we look at a mother's love, um, we can see maybe, maybe she was right when she told me I was the best-looking person in the world. Let me tell you right now, you are not. Unless you're Brad Pitt's mom. No. Um, a mom may look at her children and think they're the best children, best-looking children in the world. Moses' mom certainly thought so. Because she looked at her son and she said, this kid is so good looking, someone's bound to pick him up from the river. So she just put him in a basket and sent him down river. And actually someone did, Pharaoh's daughter picked the one. He's like, this is a good looking kid. I might keep him. And that's how Moses came about. But um, that's a lot of confidence. Who has that kind of confidence? I'm sure Moses' dad was like, "Um, honey, he's not that good looking. She's like, no, he's good looking. Put him in the basket. And, you know, that kind of thing. But it's big in Asian culture especially to show your love, not by only saying that my kid is good looking, but when you come home, what's the first thing your parents say? Everybody knows. Did you eat? Did you eat? That's the first thing they say. Also, other things like when you're about to leave and it's a little chilly out, like it was 70 degrees all this week, and today it happens to be 68 degrees. So your mom's like, it's chilly. Take a jacket. It's like, mom, it's 68 degrees, and I'm 40 years old. Stop telling me to wear a jacket. Anyway, it's like, I'm not talking about myself. This is just like random examples I'm trying to say. I love my mom, right? And it's like, you know, it's, it's raining out. You're about to go to your car, and you're about to step out, and your mom's like, take an umbrella. It's like, Mom, it's drizzling, and my car is right here. I want to take an umbrella. I'm 40 years. Like like I said, this is not my story. This is just random examples I want to share about a mother's love. Um, Food is love, right? When, When a parent looks at her child, the first thing a lot of Asian parents want to do is they want to show love. How do they show love? Did you eat? Did you eat? And as they prepare the food, there's TLC in the food. Um, If it was up to my dad, he would say, did you eat? And if I said no, he would be like, go buy some pizza and feed me too, right? But a mom would be like, oh, what do you want to eat? What what are you hungry for? And it's like, oh, I would like some kalbi. All right, let's get some kalbi. And she has kalbi. I don't know why, but she always has kalbi by the time I come over. That's not my story. I'm just saying this must be many of your stories as well. But this affectionate, affectionate love is what Jesus is showing. You see the people are following him, and you see the scenario that's being played out. And there are people that have been following him for who knows how long, maybe days, and they're getting hungry. But to go to get food, they would have to get out. They didn't have pizza delivery guys, so they would have to get out to the nearby village, which could take even longer to go get to. And so he wants to feed them. He wants to take the kalbi out of the freezer and put it in the pressure cooker. Not my story. This is probably someone else's. But this affectionate love is really, really more appreciated as the child 
gets older and you see your parents aging and slowing down, but you really, really see it here with Jesus' concern for the people that were with him. Instead of sending them away, he has the love that wants to feed them himself. I want to feed them. Um, Point number two, Jesus is the bread of life. I'll start off by saying this. Whatever we can't get here on this earth, Jesus was there to fill it. Jesus is there even now to fill that need. He is the bread of life, like it says in John chapter 8. Maybe it's easier for me to relate to this, that Jesus is the bread of life, because I love bread. I love carbs. It's terrible for the physique. It's terrible for my gut. But I'm honestly not satisfied until I have bread. Korea has really gotten into this bakery bread business with stores like Paris Baguette. In Korean, it's called Bari Baguette. It's pretty close to the French, Bari Baguette, right? They also have a new store called Tu Le Jou, which means every day. But in Korean, it's Tu Le Jou, which is a little off. It's a little off. I was like, they were so good with Paris Baguette. But what is this? Anyway, they have another store called Chrome, Koryodang. There's one in Ridgewood called Souk. There's one right on 17 South. So people love, Koreans especially love bread. And I, maybe because I have Korean blood, I love bread, right? But when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he is trying to show us that he is not only going to take care of our physical needs, but he is going to take care of our spiritual needs. He will sustain you. He is the bread that came from heaven to fill you. And this, is, this must have been reminiscent. When people were sitting there, they were breaking bread, and it just kept on breaking. There were more and more bread. And people are like, wait, we start with five loaves and two fish, but this bread keeps on coming. Where is this coming from? And people started to realize it came from Jesus. And they must have been thinking. It must have been reminiscent of the time when the Israelites were being brought out of Egypt. They were going through the wilderness. They were going through the desert. There was nothing to eat. They couldn't farm. They couldn't harvest because they were nomads in the desert. And God would give them bread from heaven. They called it manna. Manna meaning, what is this? What's going on, right? This is literally what it meant. But he would give them manna. And here Jesus is giving them bread. But he is saying that that manna points to me. I am the bread of life. I am here to feed you, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally. Every need that you have that the world cannot fill. I am here to fill it. This is why you have that hole. This is why you have that gaping abyss in your heart that can only be filled by God. Because everybody has one. We all have a hole that is God-shaped, God-sized. And we try to put other things in it. But it just doesn't fill. Because God was supposed to fill it. And Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the one that's going to feed you. Third point, and this is my final point. We must feed others. Jesus fed us. If you know who Jesus is, you have been fed and you are going to 
continually be fed, but we must feed others. The first thing he says to his disciples when they said the people are hungry, he said, you give them something to eat. It was emphatic that you, you give them something to eat. It's a command. So instead of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, just lying around doing nothing anymore and watching Jesus do all the miracles, he is saying it's time for us to participate in what he is doing. You know how many baskets were left? I mean, it's in, it's in the Bible. How many baskets were left? There were 12 baskets left. It points to something. What do you think they did with the 12 baskets? Who do you think carried each single basket? Don't you think it was the disciples? Do, what do you think they did with the baskets of food left over? Do you think they just ate it? It's like, man, this is going to at least last me a week. Or do you think when he said, you feed them, they would actually take that literally and he, they would take the baskets and they would feed the people that are around them. Jesus doesn't toss it. Jesus doesn't just say, leave all that food, it's garbage, I could always make more. He doesn't do these things. Instead, he says, gather the leftovers. And when they gathered it, there was 12 baskets left over. So we gather what we have received. We don't just throw it on the floor. We don't just toss it. We gather what we receive, we put them in our baskets, and we follow the command when Jesus says to us, you give them something to eat. How do we do that? We do it by being compassionate. Being compassionate to others. Open your heart to other people's needs. And that way we meet material needs of others. We don't just say, Hey, believe in Jesus, and we don't give them anything. In fact, what is that? I don't even know what that is. In fact, the disciples didn't even do that. So we give them material needs. And number three, we trust in him to provide those needs. So how do we give people something to eat? We are compassionate. We meet the material needs of others, and we trust in him to provide This is what we do when we go out and reach out into the communities, into the families that are here, when we go across the world, the nations that are out there. We meet their material needs, and we trust that God will provide. God is so good. He has given our church so much so that we can go out, so that we can do all this ministry. And he has met every single one of our material needs so that we have 12 baskets left over. Do you see that here? What could we possibly need? You know, I was thinking, man, it would be really nice if after service, we could not just have coffee, because there's a mad dash for the coffee. By the, by the time I get there, I get the last drops of the coffee, and then you see a crowd. So I, I can imagine, if you're new, or if you're not familiar with the church, and you're like, I could really use a cup of coffee. And you see like 15 people around the, cup of co- the, the coffee table. You might be like, oh. So I said, you know, we, could, we, could, we should have coffee, but we should have like some snacks too. And we could provide all these things. And why don't we have a sign-up sheet? Why don't we have a sign-up sheet? And we can have people sign up every week to provide coffee and snacks. The first day we opened up the sign-up sheets, it was filled by you guys. It was filled. And we have coffee and snacks um, volunteered until the end of the year. So praise God. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the picture of the church that we kind of see. 
we trust in him to provide. And when he provides, we also provide any kind of material need. That's a beautiful picture of the church. That's a really beautiful picture that we're starting to see here too. <clears throat> a young man, I want, I want to kind of tell a story to illustrate this point. A young man um, was standing in a grocery store, not a bodega, but this is a grocery store aisle, a line to get out to check out his groceries. And the woman, there was an elderly woman in front of him, just kept on looking at him. It's like, why is she staring at him? This is kind of awkward. She kept on staring at him. And eventually he said, uh, can I help you? Is there anything wrong? And she said, you look exactly like my son who passed away. And he said, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, is there anything I could do for you? And she said, yes, in fact. Uh, as I leave, could you just wave at me and shout out goodbye, mother? And that would uh, make me feel so much better because I need closure. <clears throat> and he said, I'd be glad to do that for you. So as the old woman was leaving, she was pushing her cart out. He called out, top of his voice, goodbye, mother. And unloading his own cart, the cashier um, started, you know, putting it in the, in the bags, uh, charging him, and the total bill came out to $147.50. And then he said, how can that be? He asked the clerk. I only purchased a few items. And the clerk replied, your mother said you would pay for her. <laughs> ah, you thought this was a serious story. It's not. Um, <clears throat> in this world... In this world, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it, but in this world, there are so many things that we think will provide our needs. We look to people, and then we get duped, and we go, oh, I'm so mad at the world, right? This elderly woman totally got me. In fact, if that happened to me, I would be like, wow, you deserve so much groceries for that. Um, that was good. But anyway... Um, in this world, we can look to even our own mothers for that perfect kind of love, but we won't get it. I assure you, you won't get it. Um, they do. Mothers are awesome. This is who we celebrate. It's because of our mothers we are here in this world. But I got to say, our mother's love, as much comfort and warmth we've received, it points to a greater love. It points to Jesus' love. It should encourage us to be warm and comforting to other people. It should give us compassion and kindness for when we look at other people just as when Jesus looked at you and said, I am the bread of life for you. I have come to fill your needs. I am everything that you have desired. When I knock, won't you open the door to me? And as the bread of life, he was broken for us. And as he was broken for us, he was broken for us so that we could have life. And as living vessels of Jesus Christ, we are also called to feed others. Brothers and sisters, we have been given provision. We have so much. Jesus comes and he has fed us. He will feed us. Our call now is to follow what Jesus says. You feed them. You give them something 
to eat. This Mother's Day, let's remember the love our mothers gave us, but let's respond to it, not just by giving our carnation, but let's respond to it by giving reverence to our mothers. Yes, but out of that love, we should be moved to act and bless others. Give love to others. Be compassionate to those especially that are in need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for Mother's Day. We thank you for each and every single one of our mothers. It is because of them we are who we are. It's because of them you have shown us the love that we really long for, that we desire. And we may have been filled to a certain point. But Lord God, we know that you are the one that will completely fill it. We thank you, Lord God, for the grace and mercy you have shown us through our mothers. But Lord God, we ask that you would also use us to be vessels, to be people that will be dispensers of this grace and this mercy. Lord God, be with your church. Empower us so that we can go out. Use us. Let us be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just take a few moments to meditate and to think and reflect on the word that we've been given today, how Jesus fed us, how Jesus has blessed you. And as you reflect on it, why don't you just give reverence to the Lord for his goodness, for his kindness, for his mercy, and ask the Lord to continue to use you in a mighty way to feed thousands Let's pray.